Hey, taste buds. Diet Coke is shaking things up. You've heard us talk about them a couple times here on House of Carbs. Bold new look, four new delicious flavors right in time for summer. The OG Diet Coke, of course, still has the same great taste, but now they have added, listen to these, feisty cherry, twisted mango, zesty blood orange, and ginger lime to the mix. These are so bold you won't be able to pick a favorite. I, my own self, have been enjoying these new flavors. They have a certain summer palette, summer appeal. I've been enjoying late night baseball because we are firmly in baseball season with a delicious zesty blood orange and some salty pretzels. That's my late night sports center viewing. Whether you are a longtime fan or just want to try something new, give Diet Coke a taste and see what we're talking about. Diet Coke, because you can. Quick word from our pals at Hotel Tonight. If you love to score amazing deals at incredible hotels, and I know that you do, you will love Hotel Tonight because Hotel Tonight partners with hotels to help them sell their unsold rooms, which means you are going to find sweet deals at cool, top-rated hotels. Even though their name is Hotel Tonight, you can also book in advance for spontaneous Weekend getaways, staycations, three-day weekends, road trips, business bookings, and more. It's easy. Book hotels in 10 seconds. It's three taps and a swipe. Get the Hotel Tonight app now to start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels. That's Hotel Tonight, the only booking app you need. Culinary comrades, couple things going on at the ringer that are worth your time and attention, I direct you first to TheRinger.com. There is a movie review. John Travolta is in Gotti. Now, I like the idea of this. He looks a little bit like a mob figure, the Travolta. It's not a stretch to get him into Gotti. Rob Harvilla reviewed the movie, and he... I'll let you read about whether or not Rob liked it. Uh, Spoiler, he did not. Also... On the Ringer Podcast Network, this week on Against All Odds with the Cousin Sal, Dickie Barrett of the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones is on, and we are also talking NBA draft props. That's a Cousin Sal and his degenerate trifecta. Check out Against All Odds. my taste buds, my famished friends, my culinary comrades. We have done it. We're back. Welcome to another edition of House of Cars. The food podcast for the hungry people, by the hungry people. I am your hungry host, Joe House. This is part of the Ringer Podcast Network. What a show today. My friends, we have been on a steady run of terrific input from experts in summer grilling. We've been focused mainly on meat. Today, we are lucky enough to have Chef Sam Hazen, culinary director at Be Our Guest, overseeing restaurants like Blue Water Grill, Bluefin, and Atlantic Grill, Lincoln Center. We're talking fish on the grill with Sam Hazen. And of course, we have a beautiful array of stories under the food news with Juliet Littman. Let's get in that belly with Chef Sam.
All right, my taste buds, today's guest is an honor and a privilege. He has been surrounded by food from a young age, whether in his family kitchen preparing plates of Middle Eastern and Italian comfort food with his mom or working in restaurant kitchens owned by his father and grandfather. He is a graduate of the Culinary Institute of America, where he not only recently gave the commencement address, I believe, this fall. He also taught former House of Carbs guest Adam Perry Lang how to make that beautiful meat that Adam makes. He's run kitchens at many celebrated restaurants, credited with building Tao New York, which I love, and Tao Las Vegas, where I haven't been. He is now running the seafood program for Be Our Guest. That means... If you're eating delicious fish at Blue Water Grill, Bluefin, or Atlantic Grill, Lincoln Center, you can thank this man, Chef Sam Hazen. Welcome to House of Carbs. Wow, that that was that was a uh, that was a pretty exciting introduction. I think you, you hit all veins of, of what I've done. I mean, it's been a, it's been a long run for me, and and uh, very excited about being on the show and, and talking about my experiences and talking about the lovely restaurants that be our guests and hearing about the good stuff you need to talk about. Well, it's very kind of you to, to join us. I uh, mentioned when we were connected a little earlier ago, we've been on this run here on the show where we've been featuring meat. You know, the summer grilling season is upon us, and we've been lucky enough. We had Pat LaFreda a few weeks ago. We had Adam Perry Lang. A little bit ago, and we've been t- talking about you know uh, uh, the wonderful ways to enjoy meat in the summer season. We needed uh, somebody from a different walk of life, a different protein altogether. The beautiful, glorious fish. So I we're going to tackle that that today. But I'm interested in your journey in the first place because you you just mentioned you know it's been a a, a storied and well traveled uh, uh, path that you have worn up to this moment. Um, how did you find your way in the first place to this, uh, current seafood gig? Well, I mean, it was, you know, I, I, I just come off of, uh, a great restaurant in Veritas, uh, in New York city. We had a three-star review in the New York times. And so what, what, what's, what, what happened was unfortunately like it's happening in New York city with leases and rents and things like that, as you can walk the streets and you see a lot of places for rent and restaurants closing right and left. You know, it's the the rent was an issue, and we unfortunately it was a very sad day for me because we were on such a good run. There was an issue. There was there was no room to make money, and it was a lot of work. And the, you know, it was only fifty seats. And in any case, uh, the uh, person that was running be our guest at that time, James Gersten, got whiff of that I was uh, on the streets and contacted me and. So we're looking for a seafood uh, culinary director for our seafood uh, restaurants, and um, you know. I've known the history about Be Our Guest. I was very excited about joining back, mentoring the chefs that uh, I've known in the past and things like that. And, you know, um, seafood's a challenge. I mean, you know, you, you, had, you had a great conversation with, with Pat and, and Adam the last couple of weeks. And, you know, it, for all of us, it's, it's, it's bottom line is quality and, 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 you know, technique and proper equipment and, you know, whether it be fish, whether it be meat, but, you know, we, we have incredible buying power at Be Our Guest. Uh, Landry's has, has hands down increased that that opportunity, um, you know, because they're, they're such a great, big, uh, growing restaurant group. And, you know, every day they're opening up new restaurants or buying basketball teams. And, and, <laughs> and uh, it's, it's 
really helped us along. But, you know, we have, we have a buyer in the fish market. Joe Catalano has been doing it for 27 years, who three, four times a week sends us a list of the seafood. I get phone calls at 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning, saying, Sam, this great uh, John Dory in the market at an incredible price. I'll say send 50 pounds to each restaurant, email all the receivers, email all the chefs at that time. And I think I'm crazy at 3 in the morning talking to them about seafood. And, and we move that along. You know, we have, we have uh, you know, great purveyor relationships that we've had for a long time. I have a, 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 a Mon- in Montauk, I have a, a seafood purveyor who provides me with oysters. And I mean this sincerely. I order the oysters. They're 18, 24 hours out of the water. I mean, they're still, when, when you open them, they're still quivering. And, you know, he, he sends us some goodies like the conic bay scallops and tilefish and, uh, you know, monkfish and blowfish. And, you know, so it's, it, you know, we... With, when it's talking about seafood, it's all about quality. I mean, it, the perishability of it is is tremendous. You know, what people don't really realize is, you know, running a seafood restaurant is much like running a steakhouse. Food costs are high because you're buying high quality fish. The advantage of a seafood or a, a steakhouse is that um, they have, you know, longer shelf life with meat, and they sell big bottles of red wine and a lot of sides. So that's yeah. our challenges in the seafoods, and and uh, but we handle it very well. So. You, you've touched on a lot of things that I want to get deep on. I really want to get, uh, you know, into the gory detail here. I won't make a bad fish pun joke about getting my hands scaly. Uh, maybe I will. Sorry. <laughs> but the, you, you've touched on some of the stuff. H- how important is, is sourcing? You talked about getting your oysters from, from Montauk. The restaurants uh, for the BR, uh, 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 BR guest group that are, are they're all located in New York City. Um, what are you doing about sourcing for those restaurants? Well, we, you know, we, again, I have great purveyor relationship. I always had, you know, you know, and you think of the run I've had in New York City and the, and the quality of restaurants and the, and the, the attention that I was given, to, you know, because of, uh, you know, how I feel about quality food and quality ingredients. You know, it's, it, we, we source um, with the best purveyors. Purveyors know my game. They know what I'm, I'm about. They, they, there's no playing around with quality. They know I'll catch it. And they know that if it's not right, you know, I move on to another purveyor, but, um, we, we have a core of great purveyors and, 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 you know, we, we, along with seafood, you know, at blue water grill, our backyard is a garden. And you think a union square market is right across the street from us. Uh, we're the closest restaurant to it. We use it every day. The chef sometimes three, four times a day, um, he's over there buying product. I mean, you know, uh, I, sometimes I'm going to get him an office over there. He's over there so much, but you know, <laughs> we, 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 we pay attention to that. I mean, you know, uh, Landry's has a, a seafood buyer that just travels the world looking for the best crab meat, looking for the best crab legs, looking for the best shrimp. Uh, and, and in return, we also get the best price. So we have that behind us. You know, we, we deal with the Pat Lafreda's and the Braga meats. We, we have a, you know, even, even we talk, we're talking seafood, you know, we, we pay strict attention to, you know, the quality of ingredients we do with dealing with chicken. We have a, a farmer up in Sullivan Farm that he provides us with all our chickens, all our cage-free eggs. Um, so, yeah, seafood's important. You know, that's what drives our boat. But um, quite frankly, everything that goes along with it, ingredients, the technique, the equipment, um, really drives that, that end product. Yeah, so... What would you say is the ratio of, of fish that you get from sort of outside the greater New York area, or let's say even in, in New England? Um, what what uh, seafood items do you feel safely you can sort of import in from either the West Coast or maybe down uh, the Gulf of, of uh, Mexico or something like that? 
You know, we, we, you know, we buy, we buy snappers, but I only buy Florida snappers. You know, we mm-hmm. buy Bronzino that comes from Greece. Um, that comes from the market, beautifully fresh. Um, you know, I, I, I stay true to the seasonality of seafood, you know, like, uh, 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 black bass this time of year is is unbelievable. Wild salmon this time of year, which we get from Alaska. The black bass comes from Barnicut Light, New Jersey. Uh, we're getting scallops out of Barnicut Light. Um, but you know, we we you know halibut. We we stay true to the Nova Scotia uh, season, the West Coast uh, season. Um, cod. We you know we 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 pay strong attention to where's the best cod. You know, West Coast seafood is great. Uh, even though I, I prefer East Coast, I like the waters a little bit colder. The you know fish is a little bit more saltier, a little bit more brinier. Uh, we deal with a lot of uh, West Coast oysters. You know, and quite honestly, just as we pay attention to things that go on this time of year, the water on the West Coast is a little bit warmer. Bacteria counts increase, so we we wean ourselves off of the West Coast oysters. Uh, there's more spawning going on there at this time of year. Um, so you know, we pay a great deal of attention to. What's going on with seafood? Where's the season? Uh, you know, I get I, I got an email last week telling me crab meat prices are going to go up in three months. So, so I have to I can forecast and pre-plan and, and or say we're not using this anymore because it's too expensive. You know, I have market pricing on a lot of the seafood because the prices fluctuate sometimes. You know, with lobster and and shrimp and things like that. So it's it's a lot to do and a lot to think about and again it all goes back to that the cost and the perishability of seafood so you got to be really careful in your planning and, and who you get it from and you want to get it the you know we, we we try to pay attention to sustainability uh, as much as we possibly can uh, we 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 find out where the boats where the fish came from I mean we track it and we're all over it and and, and it's it, it separates us from other seafood restaurants who don't pay as much you know attention to the detail. Yeah. So part of what I'm hoping to do uh, today with you is, is help all of our hungry homies out there, uh, you know, demystify a little bit of, of the seafood game. If folks are not lucky enough to be in the New York city area and be, you know, get to one of the BR guest uh, restaurants, but you know, lots of uh, fans of seafood all across this great nation of ours, what what are the fishes that that you could you know kind of safely direct folks to um, that are likely to be you know uh, r- r- locally enough caught and and fresh and then what would you tell some folks you know fishes to kind of stay away from? Well, I mean you got to you got to look at the again that sustainable uh, seafood chart and see what fish is being overfished. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, big eye tuna. Um, right. You know, Chilean bass is a is a tough one. Uh, you know, when I was at Tao, we used to go through thousands of pounds of Chilean bass. Was, you know, if I took it off the menu, they would have marched outside that. I took it off the menu more than people <laughs> marching outside that I was using so much. But we were very smart about, I would only get plays that were um, 18 pounds or bigger. And that, that, that what that told me, it was a fish that was big enough to spawn and, and, and produce uh, other fish. I and mean, when you take fish smaller than that, then you're, you're really hurting the chain of, of growth with that fish. But as far as, you know, what do you do if you're in middle America and uh, and you're not surrounded by water and and what kind of fish? I mean, there's there's incredible mail order. Uh, uh, there's a there's a, a dock to table uh, company that you can they they source fish from all over the, the country and they get you to fish in 24 hours. Is it expensive? Yes, it is, but you're going to get top quality fish. I mean, there's some incredible uh, farm salmon out there. I mean, we we I, I'll tell you, it's it's. The best farm salmon I've ever had in my hands of is, is we use a salmon that's called Faroe Island salmon, which is from Scotland. Oh. Um, it's, the, the, the fish are are are, um, are are 
in, in an area of the ocean, so they're in a, in a natural habitat. They're fed uh, natural foods. I mean, the, the fat content in this fish is tremendous. The skin on it, when you make it really crispy, is like eating a potato chip. Uh, oh sweet in flavor. So, I mean, there's, there's, there's great opportunity in, you know, in other parts of the country where you can get some incredible seafood, taking advantage of the season, as we do. I mean, just because if you're in middle America, you can still get some great New England uh, lobster and clams. And, you know, we get... I have a, a, a farmer up in, who I did, forgot to mention, I have a farmer up in, in Maine, in Calendar Island, who raises me mussels that are just, they're rope hung. He learned the method through the Japanese. The beauty of these mussels are they're perfect size, they're even in size, they're incredibly clean. And the, the, the smart thing about them is that when you cook them, they all pop open at the same time. You ever cook a, bo- a bucket of mussels and some are open and some aren't, and then by the time yes. you get them all open, the other ones are overcooked. So, right. you know, so we, 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 we source out for that as well. What about, um, days of the week, the old adages, uh, like Anthony Bourdain. You know, that's a, that's a, Anthony Bourdain, God rest in Yeah. God, rest in peace. Yeah. Great man. So in any case, the, the, you know, the, the thing about, you know, get your fish on Monday, don't get in on Friday cause it's old fish. I mean, is there, is there some truth to that? Yes. I mean, probably the, you know, a lot of the fish comes into the market on Sunday night. Uh, so Monday's a great fish day. A lot of the fish comes into the market on Wednesday. So that leads you into Thursday and Friday, but you're getting, you know, you're getting fish that's 24, 48 hours old. So it's not, not so bad. It's, you know, the, 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 the challenges are is when the fish market closes over holidays, like for Memorial day holiday or labor day or, or July, the market will close on Monday. So now what you have to do is you have to get fish in on Thursday and Friday. It's got to carry it to Tuesday. So you got to be really smart. You know, so what we do is to, to combat that is, you know, we keep a lot of the fish, fish whole. We hope we, we ice them down. We don't touch them until we need them. So we try to keep them in conditions as if they were on a boat being iced. Oh, that's outstanding. Well, what, what about, um, you know, for folks that, that might find themselves enjoying, you know, going to a restaurant in, in one of those, over the, one of those holiday weekends, um, is there a, a rule of thumb in terms of, you know, it's probably safer to choose shellfish over uh, a filet or anything like that? No, I mean, it, you know, it depends on the reputation of the restaurant. I mean, you know, Got it. I, I just gave you some, I just gave you some uh, situations where, you know, it, the, the, the quality may, may not be in the favor of the restaurant if they're not watching it and not paying attention to it and not storing, you know, storing it is, is I mean, storing it is an amazing uh, part of the quality of seafood. I mean, if you walk into any of our seafood restaurant walk-ins, it smells like the ocean. And I say that to the servers. I say, you want to know what the ocean smells like? Go walk into walk-in. You smell shellfish. You smell incredibly fresh fish. So, you know, we, we have uh, racks that were built for the fish uh, with uh, perforated pans, packed with uh, crushed ice, and also standing the fish up like they're swimming. You know, so, um, you know, we pay attention to that. So as far as, you know, shellfish, we, we don't, we will not, we get tags for all our shellfish. We will not take any shellfish that's any older than uh, 48 hours out of the water. Um, at the three-day point um, is when we dispose of it, but we turn over so much shellfish, really never happens. Uh, right. You know, we we buy our lobsters from a, a, a great lobster purveyor. They're always hard shell. You know, we pay attention if they're Maine lobsters or Canadian lobsters. Um, yeah, it's, it's just again paying attention to how you handle what you're dealing with to make that a perfect experience for the guest on the table. So that, that's an incredible standard that, that you've set and that you maintain at the Be Our Guest restaurants. Are there other folks, you know, if, if uh, listeners here are not lucky enough to be in the New York area, who, who do you hold in high regard in terms of um, how they handle 
their fish, the kind of standards that they have in other parts of the country? Are there names out there? I mean, you know, obviously, Laberna Den in New York City uh, does a tremendous job with, with handling fish and holding on to, you know, dealing with quality of fish. I mean, Michael Mina on the, on the West Coast and his seafood restaurants uh, does an incredible job with dealing with fish. Um, you know, there's a lot of great seafood restaurants throughout the country that aren't in that position without dealing with the seafood as I'm dealing with it. Right, 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 right. Yes. But so a little bit of legwork uh, for, for all of our taste buds out there, you probably, it's probably worth everybody, you know, doing a little bit of uh, pre-dinner investigation just to kind of see how the restaurant talks about where it's getting its seafood from and what kind of standards they kind of share uh, on, on the internet and then whatever reputations they have. And, and, you know, I, I guess in some respects, uh, reviews are also helpful for, for establishing that trust that the seafood that, that you're getting in a restaurant, um, you know, that may not be in New York and have the, the advantages that you have, um, you, you, a way to verify the experience is going to be locally caught in fresh fish. Um, w- would those be some rules of thumb that you would, uh, uh, recommend? No, would I, would I, I mean, social media, I mean, is yeah. a driving force to, uh, I mean, especially in today's world, uh, is a driving force. People follow that wholeheartedly to, 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 you know, chase after where's the best restaurant to eat in, in the best city. I mean, Yelp, of course, Open Table, of course. I mean, I travel to different cities and, you know, uh, I always, one of the first things I look at is what restaurants there and what do I want to eat and, and, and go through social media and go through, uh, uh, Yelp and just to see what the, the, the pulses of the, of the, of the, the flavor of the type of restaurant I want to go to. How often are you choosing seafood? Um, I, I try to choose seafood in, in, in as much as I possibly can to see any uniqueness of it or to see if there's something that they're doing that I should be doing. Yeah. And I traveled, I, you know, I, I, I'm very fortunate. I traveled a lot, you know, uh, last summer I spent, um, uh, a whole month in Beirut, Lebanon, that was just an absolute amazing experience. They don't have a lot of meat. They have a lot of fish. Right. So that was tremendous. You know, I was, I was in Spain. I was in France. I was in uh, Greece. Seeing all, you know, just traveling to those other countries and seeing the types of seafood they have and what we don't have. And, the, you know, like, uh, the fish markets and uh, pretty amazing. And how much of that international experience, like you mentioned, you know, uh, getting uh, – a Greek fish uh, here in the United States, it's imported. Are there other, um, from your experience, other countries where we might be sitting down at, or at a seafood restaurant and see, oh, this is, this is uh, you know, from South America or this is from, um, you know, Europe, uh, that you would say, yeah, you, you should feel comfortable um, going ahead and, and ordering that fish? Well, I mean, like, you know, the Dorades and the Rougiers and, and you know, uh, some of the Hawaiian, even just, just the, some of the Hawaiian fish that are around, I mean, uh, are pretty amazing. And obviously, you know, you go to the fish market, which I've been to, which is a, a, a tremendous experience, the fish market in Japan. Uh, it's probably the only fish market I've ever been to in the world that doesn't smell like seafood, but it was so clean. Yeah. I mean, they had, they had an amazing array of fish. Uh, you know, obviously tuna, they circle a lot of their stuff around tuna. Um, so, it, it, again, it all goes back to who you're sourcing it from, if you trust who you're sourcing it from. And you have a relationship that they know that uh, you know they got to they got to give you the best quality. There's you can you can get fish from around the world 
overnight. I mean, I could I could place an order for Hawaiian fish uh, uh, purveyor in Hawaii right now, and then tomorrow I'll be at my doorstep. I mean, oh, incredible! Yeah, no, no, it's 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 you know, again, it's it's purveyor chef restaurant relationships and trusting each other. We we've had uh, our pal David Chang on a couple times, and one of the conversations. Uh, we had with him, we asked him for kind of a, a coming food trend or something that's kind of taking hold that he um, had a, a, any skepticism about. And he mentioned poke. Um, and we've seen uh, here, I'm, I'm based in Washington, D.C. There, there have been a handful of, you know, poke only um, kind of pop up uh, fast casual restaurants do you share his uh, skepticism around poke as a as a? Um... Well, I mean, it's, it, you know, it's 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 you know, we we we've we when that trend was was I felt was moving and 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 needed attention, and I think it still does. But I think it's I think it's you know, it's like you know, the burger trend and you know yeah. all these different trends that happen, and and you know, like I think I think you know, you think about what's happening in the United States. I mean, the Korean cuisine trend that seems to be very hot in New York City at this time of year. Uh, but you know, going back to the poke thing, I think that I, you know, David's got a good point. But you know, I I always try to try to make a play on food. I, you know, I look at you know, this is the poke. I want to make the poke, but I want to make it better than the other poke. So you know, give an example at at, at uh, Blue Water Grill or at Bluefin, we did a veg, you know, a spring vegetable poke. So it was a oh. play on not using seafood. It was all spring vegetables, but with that oh. same flavoring that you would find in the poke. You know, we actually took. Um, sushi rice and, and I made a poke where I took sushi rice and pressed it and then cut it into little croutons and then dusted it lightly with a little rice flour and then deep fried them. And that was the garnish for the poke itself. So, you know, I, I do the traditional poke with the tuna and the avocado and the, you know, the soy sauce and the things like that. But, you know, it, I always, again, go back to when I, when I, when I try to put things together, I, I try to, I try to make it a little bit different. I mean, everybody's serving Kool-Aid. I want to serve water so they have nothing to compare it to. So I do that like, <laughs> No, I do that with with you know, I, I try to do that. I know enough about food that I I try to play with that and and use that as an opportunity to, to take advantage of my dish being better than the next. Well, this is the perfect segue. Um, we've given out a lot of guidance and advice um, from uh, great meat uh, guys like like Lafreda and uh, APL. Let Let's talk about um, a home cook who wants to put a you know get a go to the market buy a piece of fish bring it home put it on the grill enjoy you know the beautiful weather that that we have here finally on the east coast and and you know uh, do some, some summer grilling um let, let's talk about some some thoughts that you have on on uh how to, how to steer such a uh, an intrepid soul well you know it's, it you know it's it for me you know I'm a very uh, organized I mean, for me to run Tau as long as I did and, and to do the amount of numbers we did without right. any hiccups, you have to be incredibly organized. And whether you're cooking at home by yourself on the grill or whether you're cooking a thousand covers a night at Tau Las Vegas or Tau New York, the organization has to be the same. So, you know, my, my, my first thought is, is that, you know, anybody who wants to cook, they got to get organized. And, and, and again, I, I went back to ingredients. I went, to, I talked about equipment so you got to make sure you have a good grill or your grill's hot enough and you got to make sure your grill's clean you know buying quality fish making sure it's 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 you know i i when i when 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 i cook i think of three things i think mise en place is a big word right so i think yes. of mental mise en place how am i going to do this how am i going to put this together equipment mise en place what equipment do i need to put this dish together and 
food mise en place, what food do I need to put this dish together? You know, one of the things when I was teaching at the culinary is I would, students, the students were like they were cooking at home. And, you know, I came from a very strict restaurant background before I went to, went to go and instruct the culinary. I used to lock up the equipment cabinet, lock up the refrigerator. I gave them a two-hour window, get all the equipment they needed, all the food they needed, and then before the class started, they had to show me what their mental mise en place, how they were going to get their day done based on my instruction the day before. And, and, and I think anybody that's going to cook, whether it's grilling at home, whether it's cooking in your kitchen, organization is key. Mm. As far as grilling, when you're grilling fish, I mean, it's, it's extremely important, the quality of fish. Uh, but, you know, fish has a, a lot of protein in it, so it, it has a tendency to stick to the grill. So you've got to make sure that grill is very, very clean. Um, you've got to make sure that... Um, the grill is oiled and seasoned, and also the fish is very, very dry. You gotta, a lot of times when I cook fish, a lot of times we hold fish in the red. You see uh, sushi restaurants, you see the fish is wrapped in in uh, like a paper, a, a sanitizing paper. I do that at home. I, I lay my fish down or I do it at, at work. We lay the fish down on a napkin, let the moisture come out of it. Extremely important is, is, is season um, uh, just before you're going to use the product, the seasoning salt brings moisture to the surface, which brings protein to the surface, which makes it stick to the grill. So that's an important thing. Always, always luster your fish with either olive oil, canola oil, whatever oil you feel comfortable with, or even soft melted butter if, you, if that's what you feel you want to put on your fish. And then, then at that point, season your fish, allows the, the seasoning to stick to the fish. And then, and then, depending on the thickness of the fish, depends on, on, on how long you cook it and how hot you cook it. But for me, when I'm cooking on a grill, it's you color and then you cook. So you, you get the color you want on that piece of fish, and then you cook it. Be, you know, and that allows the fish not to stick to the grill as much. And then they, they, have, they have fish grilling uh, grates where you can put the fish in a grate and put it over your grill, which, is, which helps along with making sure it doesn't stick to the grill. But I, the biggest challenge with cooking fish on a grill is... is um, sticking to the grill. The other fun thing that I do is I take a, a good bunch of thyme, a good bunch of rosemary, and tie them together and make like a broom with it. And I hold oh. that in oil. And as I'm cooking the fish, I'm brushing the fish. And the essence of the rosemary and the thyme permeates uh, the fish, which gives it a great Mediterranean flavor. Uh, one of the other things I do when I'm cooking fish on a grill, once once I'm about 80% there with the fish, I feel it's cooked. I'll take a lemon slice and just lay that on top or char a lemon lay that on top so it gets that charred lemon flavor, uh, garlic cloves on top, add flavor, uh, just different things to permeate the, the fish. I mean, we, we do at uh, Blue Water Grill, we do cedar plank, which is a, a fun thing to do. We soak the cedar in, in uh, it's an old Indian trick. Uh, we soak the cedar in, in either sake, beer, or water, uh, oh. put the fish on the cedar plank right onto a grill, let that grill, let that grill smoke, um, and then finish it, and it cooks right onto the cedar plank. It picks up that beautiful cedar flavor. We serve it right on that plank. That's a fun way to cook fish on a grill, too, as well. And you can avoid uh, messing with the, the grate. You don't have to worry as much about, you and know. And, 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 you know, what, the, what, the, what they used to do in the Pacific Northwest is they, they, they caught all these beautiful wild salmon, the Indians, and they would, they would, they would wrap the fish on cedar because they had a tremendous amount of cedar and then stick the cedar around an open fire. Uh, and, and the fish was standing up, and that's how they—that's how the cedar plank salmon came about. So I have a oh, lot absolutely. of play with it, with soaking it in different things, flavoring it differently. But you know, it, 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 the, the cedar really comes through. It's a fun way to cook it. It's an easy way to handle the fish. Uh, you can get the cedar planks uh, cut to whatever size you want. But it's very important that you use natural cedar plank. You don't get treated cedar plank that you use on the roof at your house. 
<laughs> right, because you don't want your, your fish to taste like your roof. How about going to the market? Or more importantly, you don't want your roof to taste like fish. <laughs> that too. What, 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 let's say it's, it's you, you're planning for Saturday. You're, let, walk me through going to the market, picking out a fish or two uh, that, that you, you feel comfortable uh, cooking on the grill and, and maybe try and think about, you know, a novice like me. Um, you know, steer me to, to a safe kind of, uh, uh, you know, buy these two kind of fish and then go through um, the process you've described. I mean, I, I think, again, the, the, the challenge with the grill, it's, it's again, uh, the fish sticking to the grill. So one, one, uh, uh, one thing that you can do is, is ensuring that the, it's a thick piece of fish. And we talk about thick fish. I mean, what fish can you cut thick? Swordfish, you think swordfish is thick. You think yes. tuna is a thick piece. You know, Salmon thick enough? I think a thick piece of fish like swordfish or like tuna um, really works well on the grill. Um, and then what I'll do is I'll... I'll I'll bring that fish home as I talked about. Make sure it's nice and dry and in the refrigerator right away. Uh, I, I make sometimes different marinades. Marinate the fish, uh, and then just before cooking, season it well with salt and pepper, and and you wait the way you go. And I, yeah. you know, also, I, I put branches of uh, the apple on the on the grill when I'm cooking it, so it gets a little smoke at the last oh, end. And wow! You, you can you can, there's a lot of fun. I mean, you can put you can you know. A lot of people won't do this or, you know, you lift the grate off of your, uh, your, uh, barbecue and you just, you know, you get some wood chips and throw it in there in the last second, close down the top, turn it off, let it smoke for two or three minutes. You get a beautiful amber color and you'll, you'll pick up a different flavor. Yeah. So I, I, uh, I was taking notes here. Uh, we like a, a, a thick fish. If you're just, uh, you know, a, a not a person that that's comfortable cooking fish all the time, uh, for, for the grill. So maybe a swordfish or a tuna. We bring it home. We refrigerate. We take it out. We luster. Uh, we we season. Uh, it can go on a plank or not on a plank, depending on your comfort level. Um, we we love the brush. You know the the uh, the thyme and the rosemary together, tied together, brushing. Uh, and and then you know, is there a rule of thumb for how long to leave it on there? What are you looking for as you're eyeballing it? I mean, you, you know, listen, the, 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 the safe, the safest thing that people, and I use it today is a, is a internal thermometer, you know, a thermometer yes. that you can get the internal temperature. So, yep. you know, depending on the fish, each fish has, it's usually around 140, 150 degrees internal temperature, depending on the fish, you know, so that's your first barometer. And, you know, I always tell everybody when you're cooking something is nice to say this to the culinary students, take this raw steak and feel it from the outside in, feel it with your finger. Now, they, they show you that trick. You know, the, the, the below your thumb, you have that meaty part, and you can press that, and that can tell you the, the different feels of different temperatures of a piece of meat. So know the know the product in its raw state. Um, and then as it's cooking, you know, things cook from outside in, except in the microwave. So as it's cooking, over the period of time, put your finger on the outside, move it to the middle. Know, what's, know what the fish is doing as it's, you know, the proteins are coagulating and and, and cooking, you know, usually the meat, again, the fish will cook from outside in, you know, you'll see the colors change until it gets to the center. You'll see a little pink or a little off white, that type of thing. But, you know, depending on, on the thickness of the fish, I mean, it's depending on the quality of grill that you have. I mean, to be that scientific and say it's six minutes on each side, it's 450 degrees would be kind of, uh, kind of, baking it a little bit. I mean, it's, again, it depends on, on the, the again, the, the, the grill, the fish, 
I mean, it's certain fish you can serve rare, like like tuna. Swordfish mm-hmm. is not a very good piece of fish rare, so we've got to be careful with that as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have one one last uh, important uh, ingredient to this whole thing for the for the summer grilling. What are you drinking while you're uh, going through all this very careful preparation? <laughs> um, you know, it, it, obviously, this time of year, I mean, rosés have become very, very popular, and it's yeah. you know, that that works well. So there's nothing better than a nice cold beer too, as well, or yeah, beer, yeah. Or, but you know, uh, um, great lemonade really really works well for me too, and you know. Uh, but, you know, a nice, nice chilled bottle of uh, Chardonnay or a nice bottle of rosé really works well when you're cooking on the grill. I agree with all of the above. Uh, and I, I, I'd like to have all the above available for this, uh, this fish cooking expedition that I'm, I'm planning on taking. Uh, Chef, Chef Sam Hazen, where can we uh, find you? Are, are you on the Instagram? Yeah, I'm, you know, and, and, and you're gonna love my you're gonna love my handle. My handle is Chef Long Time. <laughs> that that's yeah, great. I'm on Instagram, and, and, and you know, I'm, I'm not a you know, I'm not a I'm not a uh, Facebook guy, and 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 uh, but I, I I definitely follow Instagram. Uh, I think it's a great yeah. tool to get the word out there and, and talk about what we do. Right, we want to see what you're doing. We want to see what you're up to. Uh, so that that that's it, Sh- Chef Long Time. Chef Sam Hazen, be our guest, seafood culinary director. He has given us some outstanding tips on getting some beautiful fish onto the grill for the summer. Chef, thank you so much for coming on today. Well, it's a pleasure. And when you, when you, when you do the grill cooking at home, you got to have me come down and taste some wine and taste your cooking, okay? I love it. I'm gonna, I, I promise to at least take a picture and, and, and send it to you. Uh, that would be great. Thank you, Chef. It was a pleasure, my friend. Famished friends, support for today's House of Carbs coming from our friends at Bombas, the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. Listen to this. After two years of research and development, Bombas has re-engineered socks with innovations to make them way more comfortable. They have this honeycomb arch support system that provides extra support where you need it most. They have stay up technology that ensures the stocks stay in place. Socks stay in place. Say that 10 times really fast. They never leave a mark. I can I can really uh, attest to this. I love these Bomba socks. I'm playing golf in them all summer long. Super soft cotton material keeps you warm in the winter, cool in the summer. My dogs are cool. When I'm out there walking on the golf course, better yet, socks are the most requested item in homeless shelters, and Bombas is donating one pair of socks for every pair they sell. That's over 7 million pairs donated so far. That's very cool. I have been enjoying these Bombas all summer long. They're going to be my sock of choice on the golf course, and then straight to the 19th hole. Listen to this. My hungry homies. House of Carbs listeners can get 20% off your first order. That's a great deal because these socks are very reasonably priced. Just go to bombas.com, B-O-M-B-S.com slash carbs and use the code carbs. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash carbs and use the code carbs. You get 20% off your first order. Quick word from our good pals at hotel tonight if you love to score amazing deals at incredible hotels you will love hotel tonight 
as much as I do. Hotel Tonight's out there partnering with hotels to help those hotels sell unsold rooms, which means you are finding sweet deals at cool, top-rated hotels. Hotel Tonight is showing you the best deals at hotels you want to stay at. You know, not scrolling through endless lists of choices. They're cool hotels. They're top-rated hotels. They're name-brand hotels. Even though Hotel Tonight is the name, it's not just for last-minute bookings. You can book in advance, perfect for both planners and procrastinators alike. If you want to do spontaneous weekends, vacation, three-day weekend, business bookings, just do it. Use Hotel Tonight. It's too easy to use. You can book in, in 10 seconds. Find one you like. You got three taps and a swipe, you're in. There's even the HT Perks program. The more you book, the better the deals get. Get the Hotel Tonight app now to start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels. That's Hotel Tonight, the only booking app you need. All right, my culinary comrades, my famished friends, it is now time for Food News. Yo, Juliet. Hi. How are you? I'm great. Thank you. How are you? I'm great as well. And before we jump into the news stories, I want to tell you one of the reasons that I'm great. Oh, great. Uh, Please do. We we have been talking on this show, on the House of Carbs, about... Uh, you know, strategies for grilling. We've been talking to meat purveyors. We're going to continue that theme. I mean, we have a couple guests coming on over the next few weeks with additional uh, recommendations, your 4th of July menu, all of your your summer uh, food needs. And I have to tell you, I really love summer food. I, I just can't get enough of it. I went to a barbecue on Saturday it was uh, delicious pork ribs on the grill. It was corn salad. It was a pitcher of Paloma. Are you familiar with Paloma? Of course. I love yeah. it. I love a Paloma. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just a great uh, food and beverage season. It is. Paloma, what was in your Paloma? Was it just grapefruit, tequila? Like, what else was in it? Um, a dash of... Uh, um, LaCroix Ooh. for for Ooh. some bubbles. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm I I should have uh I want to give full credit. Amy McDonald has a craft uh mixer business here in, in District of Columbia. Maybe I'll have her on and talk about <laughs> um she's a mixologist. And uh she came. So we were in very good hands. We were we were uh really treated to uh all of the proper ratio and all of the the proper ingredients, the primary ingredients that I could taste, you know, I, I'm not, we know about my palate. It's not the most sophisticated, um, but obviously grapefruit and tequila and then a little, some bubbles. So that, 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 that's, that's all I can, I can give you. Okay. Whatever. Still sounds great. You know, still sounds great. I went to an infatuation event like six weeks ago or something, maybe less. And that's where I, I had like my first Paloma of the season and it really hit the spot. This is what I'm getting at. Like all of these first of season tastes remind you what a great season the summer season is. I mean, I feel like it's a little bit uh, cliche, a little like self-evident. Each season, each food season in its own unique way is brilliant. But like reacquainting with those summer flavors. Oh, my old friend, corn. You're so, I missed you so. 
sweet, sweet, delicious corn. Welcome back. So happy to see you. I know. A good, like, just a good, like, hot night dinner with, like, grilled meat and corn on the cob. Does it get better than that house? No, it doesn't. At least until Thanksgiving. I completely agree. Also, the first, like, hot day ice cream that really hits a spot when you're like, yes, I needed to be cooled down. That's really good, too. I can't wait. I haven't had that one yet, but nice. I'm, I'm 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 waiting. Let, let's let's do ten more seconds. What flavor? What flavor should be the first flavor of the season? The first well, hot day ice cream flavor. Are you going to like Haagen Dazs? Are or are you going to like your artisanal trendy ice cream shop? Why don't Why don't we uh, come up with that decision together? Okay. I mean, let, 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 let's Let's talk it through. I feel like uh, my inclination, not because I'm hoity toity. But because I am interested in um, seeing what ice cream innovation has occurred in the in the off season, I'd probably go somewhere that's like a local purveyor, somebody that's doing you know some something uh, uh, that's probably in the more the artisanal note mm. uh, than a than a big uh, ice cream purveyor. Yeah, I, I think the ideal first ice cream is a soft serve from like a country store somewhere yeah. like like wow. you why don't you go out to like wine country of virginia and get your ice cream there that's what i would do if i were you <laughs> <laughs> now like, that's a whole different thing like where robert I, griffin used to live didn't he live out there in like a yeah, gigantic house he, yeah he, he lives uh, not that he didn't the community he was living in was not that far away from some of the Loudoun County uh, wineries. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's my favorite proximate. kind of summer ice cream is like out outside of the city. And you're just like, yes, this is the good stuff from right around here. But if you're in the city, support your local ice cream place. Like in Brooklyn, Ample Hills is a great first ice cream of the season, I think. That's coming, yeah. that's coming to Los Feliz soon, which I'm excited about. I might do this. This is now that we're talking this through. My first ice cream of the season might be at the ballpark because I now my head is clear. It's just golf and baseball season. Although NBA offseason is always, uh, you know, the soap opera has begun. But really, for the purposes of following sports, um, it's just golf and baseball. So I can go to a baseball game. And there's a gelato purveyor here local, Dolceza, that I like. And I maybe it'll be like a nice sea salt caramel Oh, that Balceza sounds great. That's out in right field, right? Yeah. While I watch Bryce Harper for one more season. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. that's That might be the play. That might be my angle. <laughs> I support you. That sounds great. You and Bryce Harper Thank just you. sharing an ice cream. <laughs> or sharing an ice cream moment. I'll try not to throw it at him. <laughs> yes, please try not to. Okay, House, are you ready for my news? Yeah, let's hear some news. Okie dokie. The first one's about beer, another great summertime drink. There the best. Is, there's risk of a PBR shortage. That's Paps no. Blue Ribbon, if you don't call it by its uh, nickname. And here's the deal. Miller Coors and Paps Brewing are reportedly set to go to trial this November as part of an ongoing legal dispute, according to CNBC. At issue is a decades-old agreement where Miller Coors handles production on all of Paps' legacy beers, including the signature PBR. That agreement is apparently set to expire in 2020, and though it comes with options to renew, Miller Coors, which has been facing its own struggles in a declining beer market, wants out of the deal. Paps has a lot of stake with a renewal. Finding another brewery with millions of barrels worth of brewing capacity to contract with would be extremely difficult or even impossible. And the other option, building their own brewery of that size, is neither cheap nor easy. If Miller Coors is able to terminate the agreement, Pabst would probably have to make some tough choices about its legacy brands, which also includes other well-known names like Old Milwaukee, Colt 45, 
potentially leading to the dreaded PBR shortage. This could be a crisis for the hipsters of Brooklyn and California. <laughs> I, PBR always has a, a special place, and uh, I would be heartbroken to not have it available. Uh, and I, I am not a hipster. I think it's been um, pretty well. Uh, we, 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 we've, we've established pretty clearly that that's the case. Um, I love PBR and and a very basic burger, like the Corner Bistro Burger. Oh, yeah, you know the Corner good. Bistro Burger up there? Sure. In in New York, yeah. Like PBR and Corner Bistro. I mean, although that might be a hipster thing. Shit, I just said I'm not a hipster. <laughs> and I just it's said okay. the perfect hipster meal. You and I I'm are an both idiot. Hi- we're hipster adjacent. Hipster adjacent. Yes, exactly. Hipster adjacent. It's not our but fault. B- PBR has like, PBR is a perfect, like, you know what? It, it, it's a perfect disc golf beer. You ever do disc golf? Um, frisbee golf, Frost? yeah, disc, whatever you want to. Disc all those golf. Things. Who calls it disc golf? It's frisbee. The golf. serious, the serious flingers. My God, uh, no! In my New Hampshire camp, it was just frisbee golf, and it was like what the like kind of cool kids, which I now realize like stoners in the making used to do, like before they went to like their small small liberal arts college in in the Mid Atlantic or Northeast. <laughs> oh shit! So another hipster angle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So maybe it's just the case, but I love PBR. It was it was the you know it was one of a half dozen extraordinarily cheap beers uh, in my youth. I was lucky enough, and this is also telling of my age, um, that I was right up against the line before they grandfathered um, eighteen year old. Eighteen used to be the drinking age here in the in the DC area, and then yes. it bumped up to twenty one. Yeah, thanks, Ronald as, Reagan. As I rapidly yeah got close to eighteen. Um, but like $5 cases of, of stuff like Schlitz and PBR and Schaefer. And then I went off to college and Narragansett was the $5 or $6 case beer. Um, <laughs> this is, you know, I, I have a, a, a very soft spot for it and I'm, I'm rooting for them to work out, work out this, uh, this legal dispute. I, I think a lot of people do and sort of like the success of PBR is what, what is what driving a wedge between the two companies because Miller Coors says that the reason it may, sh- the, the reason it uh, would have to terminate the deal is because the company may be shutting some breweries and won't have the capacity to continue PBR in all of PAP's brands. But PAPS has countered and said that they are terminating the deal and would do it like prematurely to get PBR out of the market because they're such a big competitor. It is funny. It does seem like there are only like three or four massive beer makers and then everybody else is is small um, and, you know, in that sort of craft beer class. I keep saying this. We need to have somebody on to help us understand both the beer industry and then sort of all the outstanding beer opportunities that are out there. We're going to find the right person. We're going to have a whole beer episode. Um, all the hungry homies, the thirsty homies out there continue to send us good suggestions on that front, because I, I do find the whole thing fascinating, but it feels like to me there's like Miller Coors, Anheuser Busch, and who else am I forgetting? Miller Coors, Anheuser Busch, and uh, well, Anheuser Busch is also owned by InBev, which is like the giant of Europe. They sold right, to them like ten right. years ago. Yeah, that's there aren't right. that many. Also, like craft beer is like really trendy. I don't I don't know what the what the margins are like though. I actually am really curious. That'd be that's a House of Carbs I'd love to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. Seems like a pretty good uh, summer house of carbs, too. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Great story. <laughs> great stuff. All right. On to the next. This is another story that's like of particular interest to me. 
This is coming to us out of North Carolina, where you recently were. And it's a story from WTVD, which is their local ABC station. A bartender is facing a charge after police said she stole $10,000 in tips at a Cary restaurant. Police said between January 1st and the beginning of June, management discovered that a 26-year-old woman named Erica Denton had altered several food receipts at Tasu Asian Bistro. According to arrest warrants, she changed the food amount with the tip amount, resulting in a bigger tip she could pocket. However, the total bill would stay the same, so the money was not coming out of the pocket of customers. The tip on one more than tripled. So I've got some questions about this, and it relates to like a larger question that I have about the food service industry. I am confused about how we are currently in the year 2018 with so much technology, and you're still like just leaving a tip by adding a few dollars on a piece of paper. It just seems like that's really, really outdated. And shouldn't they, um, shouldn't you add the tip before they run your credit card, not after, so that they can just, so like, I, I've never really understood this system and it seemed really inefficient. And also because of like the paper tips, the paper check system, it leads to a situation like this where this young woman could allegedly change uh, bills. This is an outstanding take. And it's got to be the case that somebody out there, some disruptor, is is thinking about how to how to conquer this and change this weird behavior. Because you're absolutely right about the inefficiency of it. They essentially have to restaurants have to, uh, it seems, run a tr- the transaction twice, right? In yeah. the first place to grab your money for the food, and in the second place to adjust the ultimate price to reflect the tip. And they can't be presumptive in terms of how much the tip is going to be because, well, maybe they can be presumptive. Maybe they know that there's a kind of window that most tips are going to fall inside of between 15% and 25%. And then if there's an outlier, they can accommodate it. But the whole thing seems extraordinarily ineffective. And I'm with you. We're so close to um, being paper-free in terms of actual green money. It it I it is now in my life annoying when I have to go somewhere with cash in my pocket uh, to to you know uh, handle some kind of transaction, um, and most of the time I'm without cash and I always feel bad. I always am apologizing to the I friends know. who have the cash. Me too. Like I just carry cash basically for if in case I valet, which I avoid at all costs. And um, for tipping the people at the nail place when I get my nails done, that's pretty much it. Even the farmers market takes credit cards. Yeah, it is the case now. Uh, it's like the people in my life that I want to tip are are the main consumers of the cash in my pocket. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't have cash for any other reason, really, that I can think of. What else do I use cash for? I, I don't know. <laughs> and occasionally, so occasionally, I'll need quarters for laundry, and then I'll have to do some like some kind of cash such stuff. But that that's that's also very ripe for disruption. Why can't you just pay for your laundry on your card? I, I, it's Stick a, it in the machine. Talk to my landlord. <laughs> you could buy a Coke for a dollar with your card. I know. I would love to live in a cashless world, you know, completely. And, I don't think we're that far away. No, we're definitely not that far. I mean, basically. The place where I get my, uh, where, the place I go for my week, uh, one of the places I go for a salad during lunch, you know, during the week, because, you know, I have to eat salad during the week so that I can do Joe House things on the weekends, Juliet. Yeah. Um, they're, they're cash free. They say we don't, we don't, we won't take cash. We don't give cash. We don't have cash. You have to cut. If you want to buy a salad from us, you have to use a card. Yeah, sweet grains. Yeah. 
Oh, I didn't even know Sweet Greens innovated that. Yeah. That's not the place I go to. It's oh. a smaller place. Well, Sweet Greens is, is also cashless. If you try to give them the cash, they're like, no, thanks. I thought you were trying to like protect the fact that you go to Sweet Greens, which I had for lunch today. I had I love uh, I love the spicy tie. The place I go to is far more precious, so I definitely don't want to mention it. Dave Chang <laughs> caught me coming out of there. <laughs> Um, and I was, I know, it was real walk of shame with a salad. Well, one thing about sweet greens is it started in DC and I yeah. always liked it when I, I would always go to the one in Bethesda with my college friend, Claudia, and um, they used to have Froyo. I wish they had Froyo, the ones in California. I don't know if the ones here in DC still have Froyo. That was like one of the biggest draws for me was the Froyo. Remember, do you remember it? I do. I do. I mean, I, you know, shout out to the Sweet Greens peeps. I think there are some Georgetown kids who started it up, right? I think so. Yeah, I think that's correct. Yeah. You know, they moved their headquarters to L.A., though. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> kind of uh, makes sense. It's I, on brand. Yeah. Uh, this is, I, I use this this story about uh, Erica Denton allegedly altering food receipts. Um, I feel sad for her and for this restaurant. I hope that everyone ends up okay. Well, the thing with her is... It is a crime that seems like is probably replicated Definitely. with some frequency in some volume across these fine United States of ours. She just was greedy. 10,000 bucks in six months is going to get you caught, sister. Like she, somebody, she should have consulted somebody, you know, uh, maybe half that, maybe a quarter of that. And, and nobody would have been the wiser. But she was just too aggressive about it right out of the box. I'm not advocating, by the way, for a strategy of how to swindle your, your restaurant employer. Absolutely not. Um, but this is, you know, she she was hoisted by her own petard a little bit here, Juliet. Yeah, that's true. Okay, last story of the day. And this is a sad one. <laughs> this is about a hot pot restaurant in China. And this comes from the South China Morning Post. Thanks to Kyle for it finding this story for us. This is a great one. <laughs> a hot pot restaurant in Southwest China went out of business in less than two weeks after customers took advantage of a promotion that allowed them to pay 120 yuan, which is $19, for all they could eat for an entire month. Uh, Jia Menor, a restaurant in Chengdu, Sichuan province, was forced to close on Tuesday after experiencing a surge in popularity from June 1st when customers began to use a discount offered by a membership card. The restaurant's outgoings and its payments to other restaurants and shops to help divert the customer flow left it $500,000 yuan, which is $78,000 in debt. And then it had to close because they lost so much money so quickly because of this, this uh, promotion they were offering. And it's just, it was so well-intentioned and it ended so poorly. You you can imagine how this pulls at my heartstrings. Oh, of course. That, that that is a restaurant for the hungry people by the hungry people. By the way, I love this idea. Membership card, pay a certain price for the delicious food at this delicious restaurant. Have as much as of it as you would like. They just got to be so sensible about the pricing. I know. You got to raise the price. It's actually surprising that's not more common at like lunch places in heavily trafficked business areas across American cities because so many places people go to lunch, like just by default. You're just, I like, I went to Sweet Greens. I like Sweet Greens, but it's also like across the street. It's just the easiest thing. It's relatively healthy, whatever. Like I would definitely pay a membership fee bait that was like that reduced my, my per salad cost by a couple dollars each time. So would I. I mean, that you know, this place um, that I go to, I go in there and make a joke. It's the house order. And I'm not going to say it because I really will get punched in the face for saying what's in the house <laughs> order. But it's a shot of some healthy elixir. And then it's a particular kind of protein-driven, uh, uh, very green salad. 
And I go in and say, I want the house. Give me the house. I'm here for the house salad plus my healthy elixir. Amazing. Um, yeah. Well, and, and I mean, I would gladly just prepay. And especially if I could go ahead and, you know, hit a button on my phone or on the computer, say, I'm coming. Let's have the house ready. And that part of it is 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 certainly uh, accomplishable. You can you can pre-order just about any of these places, but having the payment stuff already kind of resolved as well. Bang! I know. Sign me up. It's great. I love a restaurant that you that you order and pay like when you first arrive and they bring it to your table with like your number or your name or whatever because it's so great. Like consuming your food and then that being the end of the experience, not having to think about paying at the end. Paying is kind of a buzzkill, you know. I I do like that. I wonder if that fits what you're talking about in terms of the uh, the whole transaction with the cards and the paper and yeah. the tip and all that kind of stuff. This whole prepaying thing seems like it could be an angle. Absolutely, a, we, that seems like another industry expert that we should we should have come on the on the pod. I'm sure that there is an innovator, a disruptor out there that's ahead of the curve on this stuff. That, that's got some ideas that, that would be interesting to the Hungry Homies. Yeah, I agree. Another episode I'd love to listen to. <laughs> they, these, well, we'll pour out a little bit of green tea for these beautiful people at Xiamener in, in Chengdu, Sichuan province. I, I, I'm sure I botched every one so, of those words so I just I. tried to say. But like, you Our know, heart goes that, out to you. Yeah, our heart goes out. That was a, it was a brilliant idea. And I loved uh, in the story they talked about, you know, wanting to establish, use this as a means to establish these relationships with the people that, um, with their vendors, right? So we thought we could buy a ton of beer because we know that we need a ton of beer because we have so many people here because we're offering this great deal. And it's like, helps us get off on a great foot with the beer people. And the same thing with the green bean, the green bean people. Yeah. Or, it, the, or, the, or the chicken people, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, now they're cooked. I, I love it. Well, they, if they want to crowdsource and go for another shot at it, I'm in. I'll help. I'll put in. I, I pledge ten dollars on behalf of House of Carbs to the to to the fine pr uh, proprietors behind this idea. And if they want to charge a reasonable price, even if they charge double what they were charging, it seems like the story said the line at the, in, in the morning was was started at eight o'clock. I know, amazing. Right? Amazing. Why not? Everybody's hungry, and they, it's clearly was good food. They were doing a good job. Yeah, let's let's do it. Well, if 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 they if anybody can get them word, we'll crowdsource that shit. We'd love to help. We would love to help. Juliet House. Those are some great stories. <laughs> they really were. Thanks for having me, as always. As and always, I'll be back. We're next We're getting time. closer and closer to being together for some eating together. Seriously, I'm going to follow up with in, you about that offline. In fact, I hate I can't when people wait. say offline. I'm clearly going to like call you or email you. That's very much online, but yeah. I will follow up with you. Off of this line, that's all. That's exactly right. Off of this line. Until next time, Jay. Talk to you soon. Can't wait. All right, my taste buds, we have done it. Another fantastic and delicious show in the books. How about this? Send us at the House of Carbs. That's the Instagram. Send us your pictures of how you are doing your fish this summer. We've got lots of wonderful direction on the steaks. How about some fish ideas? Well, we're belly sourcing as always. Hit us at the House of Carbs is the Instagram. Until next week, my hungry homies, let's stay hungry out there.